From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Mason, Oklahoma hits the road for Cincinnati. Uh, I guess technically on paper it's their second road game, but in reality it's their first road game because Tulsa really was a home game, a lot of crimson and cream, and I think Oklahoma – uh, from the talk with Brent Venables today, his press conference, this is Tuesday when we're taping this, really business-like approach heading into Cincinnati, the Big 12 opener on Saturday. Yeah, you know, our Bill Haston wrote about last week how uh, Cincinnati is just an absolutely ravenous environment. Uh, this is going to be unlike anything Oklahoma experienced in non-conference play where you had two home games and then, as you put it, Eric, essentially a third home game. Uh, with an OU crowd-dominated trip to Tulsa. So it will be interesting to see how OU reacts to that pressure environment, especially against uh, what looks like a, a pretty good Cincinnati team, one of the the top rushing teams in the country and got a good quarterback in Emory Jones. So uh, we'll get we'll get our chance to make the trip up there and see how OU handles this uh, first road test as it begins its final run through the Big 12. I guess the big key for Cincinnati is just seeing how they respond. They upset at home in overtime to Miami of Ohio in a rivalry game. Uh, Oklahoma's uh, first visit there in almost a decade. They did go play at Cincinnati, uh, I think, in, in late 2009, 2010, around that time. Uh, didn't play on, on campus. They played at the Bengals Stadium when they went up there. Uh, this is going to be a tough outing. One thing Oklahoma hasn't done yet is they haven't faced adversity. One thing Oklahoma has done, they've won every coin toss. They've taken the ball each time. They've scored each time. They've gained early leads. Uh, haven't trailed all season long. And This offense is really playing well. Uh, it all goes back to the quarterback and Dylan Gabriel. He's really playing at a high level right now. Yeah, Brent Venables talked about today. It just seems like he's having more fun whether that's taking pressure off himself or just the comfortability of being in a second year at Oklahoma, another year in Jeff Levy's offensive system and having guys playing around him that know what they're doing as well. Uh, it's been fun to watch his maturation. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 right now. And uh, you could even dare say, you know, potentially a top 10 quarterback in the country. He's really playing that well. Uh, especially what he flashed against Arkansas State and Tulsa, just the efficiency and the explosiveness in the passing game. He looks really good. And, and another thing that, that Brent Venables talked about that uh, has some intrigue is, is the fact that perhaps having Jackson Arnold behind Dylan Gabriel has pushed Dylan Gabriel to be better. When you've got a, a five-star recruit coming in as your backup quarterback and knowing that he's the future of the program beyond this year, uh, you, you've got a lot on the line. you got uh, that, that can do something for someone. It, it, it pushes you to be better in and of yourself to retain that starting job and to play well. And you also have to think about from Dylan Gabriel's perspective, if he had left OU last year, he probably has little to no chance of getting drafted. But this year, he's one of the players that the Senior Bowl has been talking about in recent weeks as having just an enormous growth in draft stock. And so uh, he's playing his way into the conversation. And if he can keep it up, uh, he has good chances of, of being, you know, maybe like a day three pick um, and, and having a having a shot, a real shot at a professional career. 
Dare we say Baker Mayfield and the OU game notes have Baker Mayfield and Dylan Gabriel comparisons already in the key storylines section. Uh, it's way too early to say Heisman Trophy. It's way too early to make those comparisons. But right now, uh, Dylan Gabriel's pass completion percentage is 82.5%. By comparison, the single season record at OU was held by Baker Mayfield, 70.9% in 2016. Uh, Dylan Gabriel right now leads the nation in pass completion percentage, and he ranks second in pass efficiency rating to uh, 220.4. So he's just off to a great start, really great uh, efficiency, 11 touchdown passes, one interception. The one interception came when he was hit when throwing the football. Uh, really comfortable with his wide receivers. We're seeing a lot of a lot of different receivers making catches. Uh, this past weekend, we saw Nick Anderson, the redshirt freshman, come out. Newcomer of the week named by the Big 12. Uh, we're seeing him find that comfort level with those receivers. Different players making plays. Of course, we see the familiar faces, faces like Drake Stoops. Uh, you know what? Really interesting with Drake Stoops, though, with the short passes, the short game, he's throwing the ball where Drake Stoops can make plays with, you know, turning up field. He's getting the ball to Drake Stoops where he can turn in great position. The the accuracy is what impresses me the most with Dylan Gabriel with those short games. The long passes, we didn't see it against SMU. We saw it against Tulsa. Uh, just Dylan Gabriel's making really, really smart plays with the football in his hands, going through his progressions. And Jeff Levy mentioned it on Monday. The one thing about going through his progressions is the offensive line with their pass block, they're allowing him to, to time to make those reads. And, you know, the, the, the offensive line has allowed only one sack all season, which is big in, in letting him to make those reads, make those progressions. I didn't really have anything to add. Do we want that to be our pause for the advertisement? Yeah, yeah, that you know, yeah, exactly. That's a great place for a pause right there. And, and you know what? In the offensive line, I, I think we look at this offensive line, and, and, and it's a work in progress too. When we look at the offensive line, we look at someone like Caden Green, a young freshman who moved from tackle to guard. Uh, we're getting more reps. I think this this offensive line is still a work in progress as well. We talk about the pass blocking on this offensive line now. I, I think I think everyone's wondering about the run game. Uh, we, you know, we're talking about the pass game, how effective it's been, but I think the run game is still a big question question mark right now just the effectiveness of it who's going to be the running backs I, I think everyone wonders who's going to be the marquee back I don't think that's been determined after four games but it also goes in concert with the, the offensive line and, and the pass blocking what's going to happen who's opening the holes um, what's going to happen at that left guards position I think Caden Green we got a chance to talk to him dear after Monday's practice and he's willing to move from tackle to guard it's a different game different position different footwork different technique uh, but he's willing to embrace that role and it, it's, it's hard if he gets in there and gets some games against Cincinnati he's going to go against a massive defensive line with all an all-american on the other side too so they're throwing him into the fire but he's willing to accept that role and it's interesting to see uh, what they're trying to do to make this offensive line work. Yeah, with as highly touted as Cincinnati's defensive front is, and you briefly mentioned himself, but or mentioned him, but uh, Dante Corleone is a really good defensive tackle for them. I think this week we're going to find out a lot about OU's rushing game, um, about who's the most physical back able to run through contact and, and who, what is the best combination on the offensive line moving forward. Obviously, Jeff Lebby gave a lot more carries to Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk last week because he wanted to get them going and get them reps. But I wouldn't be surprised if the game script this week reverts back to a lot more Marcus Major and Tawi Walker. 
they're fresh because they didn't uh, play at all against Tulsa, really. Uh, didn't At least didn't get any carries. Uh, they obviously began the season as the starters. Part of that is Sawchuck being banged up, but Barnes was healthy. Uh, so you look at that and you say, you know, that's two guys that had a really good camp and, and had a, a pretty good, especially Walker against SMU, had a, a fairly good start for OU. Uh, so I, I would expect to see a lot of Tawi Walker uh, this week against Cincinnati. And, you know, perhaps he continues to show that he's the most physical uh, back in this backfield. As for the offensive line, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if if Caden Green ends up being the starter at left guard in this game. Obviously, Savion Bird has struggled some and, and got injured against Tulsa. So uh, Brent Venable said he was hopeful of his return, but just really don't know at this point. Uh, we've also seen Troy Everett get some action at that spot, but I think it's kind of clear that um, he works at, at practice as a center. Um, he's kind of the backup center to Andrew Rame, and that's what he's best at. And uh, perhaps they have a little bit more confidence and a little bit more upside coming at left guard if they if they plug Green in there and give him a shot. So offensively, it's playing at a high clip. I think Jeff Levy's really calling some good plays. I think they're they're playing with tempo. Uh, we'll see what happens. This is going to be the toughest uh, defense that they're, they're going to face, especially on the front. This is going to be a challenge for uh, uh, the offensive front. I think, you know, Brent Venables mentioned today, this game is going to be won at the line of scrimmage. So the offensive line is going to be under the gun. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on the line of scrimmage. Let's move over to the defense. Danny Stutzman is just playing it up unbelievable level right now i mean uh you pick six against tulsa impressive and uh, he's leading the conference uh, averaging 10 tackles a game uh he's really playing himself into the big 12 defense player of the year conversation after three games uh can he maintain this level that's the question and uh, you know it, it's interesting to see because it's not only his physical play but his mental play he's playing smart uh, and you know what? He sets the tone. We know going into the season that he was going to set the tone for this defense. He's doing a great job of it. Uh, I'm just impressed with what he's doing. And it's good for guys like Jaron Kanick and those young linebackers to learn from him, to, to grow from him. And, and, and it's just been impressive watching him play and, and, and getting to talk to him, too, and just learning you know, just getting to, to, to getting to talk to him after practices and after games. It, it's really his maturity has really impressed me the most, too, as well. Right. I think he's become a guy that makes all the other guys around him better. And I think that's what you absolutely want um, out of out of your um, playmaking, you know, weak side linebacker. You mentioned Kanick. I thought it was really interesting looking back at the the snap counts from pro football focus that uh, Kanick played the, the same number of snaps as Danny did in that Tulsa game. And that's probably the first time that that's ever happened. Uh, Kanick obviously had a lot more limited role previously, especially last year as a freshman when he was still learning how to play a linebacker. Uh, so, so just just the the relationship those two guys have and the way that Danny's continued progress has also helped elevate Jaron's game. Uh, something that's really cool, and we know Brent Venables always talks about that he wants the linebackers to be uh, the anchor of this defense, and uh, they're doing that so far. You know when we. When we think about it, when we look at the defense over the past few games, there's really not that much criticism of the linebackers opposed, uh, you know, differentiated from a year ago when they didn't have a lot of depth. It was really mostly just Stutzman and David Aguebu, who's not even here anymore. So a lot of the things that we've been talking about when it pertains to the defense is, you know, where is the pass rush from the defensive line? How can the secondary fix the busts and coverages that happened against Tulsa? 
um, you know, especially the safeties and corners, but we're really not saying a lot about the linebackers this year. And I think that that's so much attributable to how much better Stutzman and Koenig are, but also just the depth of the position. When you think about guys like Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, Connor Neer, and then even Lewis Carter getting some action, uh, Sammy Omosigo, just some of these younger guys starting to get some opportunities. Uh, that position's a lot better off than it was a year ago. And it's almost being taken for granted uh, just how much better it is, I would say. We're going to switch gears, talk about the injury front a little bit. Something Brent Vittables mentioned, he's fixed on his radio show. He mentioned it last night, and then he kind of mentioned it again today. Desan McCullough, the the cheetah who sat out the Tulsa game, is expected to be available for Cincinnati, which is a good sign for Oklahoma's defense. In in the same uh, breath, uh, we still don't know an update on just Justin Harrington. I still think they're weighing their options on his ability. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Peyton Bowen, who said he was getting some first-team snaps at the Cheetah position at practice yesterday, too. So moving forward, we're going to see what happens at that Cheetah position. Uh, tough blow for Harrington if he is out for an extended amount of time. Uh, he was really playing at such a high level, and there were such high expectations for him. So we'll see what those options are for him. Uh, Dason McCullough, we'll see what happens with him. If you know you want him healthy, you need him healthy, especially if you lose Harrington for that extended amount of time. Uh, and then there were other injuries. Can you go into detail about what Brent said about the other injuries today? Yeah, he he brought up or was asked about a few other guys that maybe had some minor injuries against Tulsa or didn't play against Tulsa because of minor injuries. We already mentioned Savion Bird on the offensive line, but you also had uh, Reggie Pearson in the secondary that uh, seemed to maybe be a little, playing a little bit banged up against Tulsa. And then you had R. Mason Thomas at defensive end and Josiah Wagner at corner who just didn't even play against Tulsa. And so uh, Brent Venables was asked to kind of address the health and availability of those guys. And he didn't go too deep, but he did say that he expects them to be available against Cincinnati. Uh, it, it's really just kind of, I guess, a little bit perplexing. Um, there's just so many guys now on the defensive uh, front rotating in and out that, you know, our Mason obviously was injured and missed the first game of the season, but then played the second week. So, is he not healthy or is he just not getting in the game because they have so many other guys? I think you can say the same thing at corner with Wagner. You know, they played Kenai Walker and Kendall Dolby and Macari Vickers against Tulsa. Um, so it, it'll be interesting if we ever get greater clarity about uh, injury versus uh, maybe not being consistent in practice or just not getting opportunities in games on some of those guys. But supposedly... He's hopeful they're all going to be available against Cincinnati. couple season-ending injuries as well for the Sooners. A uh, uh, couple uh, local players. Uh, I can't say Phil's last name. Can you help me out with his last name? Yeah, we got Phil Picciotti, who's a linebacker Picciotti. from IMG Academy. Yeah, Phil, and that's a tough break for him because I know Brent's been big on him with his his hitting his hitting ability. Talked about how strong a, a player he was then the union uh cornerback um i can't think of his name now top yeah, of my head jaden, jaden rowe from jaden rowe and jaden is just snake bit because injuries have followed him since he got on campus too feel bad for jaden too a couple season ending injuries that were thrown in uh late in the, the press conference for brent oklahoma had five interceptions against tulsa and you know brent mentioned this in the uh post game and we talked about it again today 
uh, he, he calls them layups. He said last year they missed eight layups when he talked about having hands on footballs and couldn't pull down the interceptions. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this today. I was doing a radio show today and we were talking about it. And, you know, when you talk layups, when you talk about missing catches, but then you pull them in today, I think it's big for the defense because it really shows the defense that they can make those plays. And I think mentally it's huge for the defense because it shows them those plays are how huge they are. And Brent mentioned, uh, you know, when you talk about stats, it's almost like affirmation that good things happen when they occur. And I think when you see those interceptions happen and the result of those interceptions, it's almost affirmation. And I think that those five interceptions can go a, such a long way about these, these, these plays and how big they are. And, you know, we, we talked about Peyton Bowen, uh, you know, when he dropped a couple interceptions in games, he's on the jugs machines at practice. You see him over there. He's the last one off the practice field because he's on the jugs trying to make those plays, make those things happen. And I think it's just huge how this defense is really bought into how how one play can change the impact of a game. And I think those five interceptions are going to go a long way, not just this week coming up against Cincinnati, but in the next nine games, how they look back at this Tulsa game and they can see how that can change the dynamic of a game. I think that was huge. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of takeaways. But right now they're they're tied for third in the nation interceptions, of course, having five in a game is going to help that. But we'll see where this takeaway tally ends at the end of the year because of games like Tulsa. I think that was huge. Right. And and to your point, Eric, Brent Venables talked about after the game that they straight up just dropped eight interceptions last year. So not only are they seeing the difference it can make in a game, I think we're going to see this year the, the difference probably uh, in the quality of a season based on how many turnovers, especially interceptions they get. And Brent Venables said as much. He said, you know, if they make those layups last year, they're probably not six and seven. They probably have a lot better year than they did last year. So as you said, I think that every time those players make those plays, they gain confidence and uh, they're going to see throughout the season how important it is and how much of a difference it can make. And it'll uh, just push them even harder to be put themselves in position to be in the right place to make those plays when the opportunity arises. Cincinnati is going to really be a challenging team for the Sooners. When you look at their quarterback, Emory Jones, just a mobile quarterback can throw the ball a country mile, according to Brent Venables. He can hurt you with their, with his feet. He's a quarterback that the Sooners saw in the Cotton Bowl in 2020 when he played for Florida. Uh, you know, the Sooners had a taste of him. Uh, he, he, uh, played for the Gators in that game. So some of the older players like Woody Washington have seen him in action. Uh, and this is a Florida team that's hurting after that loss to Miami of Ohio. So we'll see what happens in this game. Uh, it's going to be important to contain him, keep him in the pocket. Don't let him escape the pocket. Don't let him uh, ad lib. And it's going to be a test for these Sooners. They're really going to have to cover well. Uh, you know, we saw what happened uh, a little bit against Tulsa when the mobile quarterback came in. And, you know, it's they're going to have to be disciplined to their keys. And I think that's going to be key. It's going to be a test for these Sooners to really get in there and get pressure on the cornerback and keep him contained. Right. I think it's better that they uh, went ahead and faced Cardell Williams uh, and got a little bit of action against him, uh, against Tulsa versus you know, Roman Fuller just staying in the entire game and continuing to throw interception after interception after interception. At some point, the interceptions are good, right? We talked about that. But at some point, that becomes monotony. You need to see some different things, especially in a game like that, to challenge your defense. So them seeing Cardell Williams, good. Uh, and maybe that that helps a little bit going into this, this matchup uh, with Emory Jones is they played relatively well against a mobile quarterback 
uh, last week and they were able to kind of right the ship after they made a few mistakes against him. And so now they know what to do differently uh, going against Jones moving forward. And it's probably kind of a similar style because Cincinnati is, you know, coming out of having been in the American and some similar things there. I think the point you brought up about OU still having a few guys on the roster that have seen Jones um, is also pretty interesting. Um, We'll see if that uh, helps with the game planning at all. A guy like Woody Washington, um, you know, knowing what Jones is capable of and, and kind of remembering some of the things that OU put on tape against him in 2020. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. No ands or buts about it. Uh, He's probably the most complete, uh, talented, uh, quarterback that they faced so far this season didn't have a great week against Miami Ohio last week but doesn't mean he can't turn it on for this one finally for Oklahoma's defense they've done a really good job stopping the run average you know they're holding opponents at 78 yards a game but this is a Cincinnati team that runs the football well they're averaging 239 yards a game uh it's going to come to the defense OU defense slowing them down in the run game uh controlling the line of scrimmage and I think that's going to be key uh that defensive front's going to have to make tackles uh, Oklahoma's done a real good with not missing tackles uh we've noted that a lot about missed tackles they've done a good job I didn't look at the numbers uh I don't know if you had or not with PFF did you notice missed tackles this week at all yeah, so actually the numbers from the Tulsa game on that are not great. They actually had more missed tackles in the Tulsa game than they had the two games prior. So okay. so uh, maybe need to kind of reinforce some discipline there going into the Cincinnati game. But uh, they have – they at least through the first two games were better in that regard. And, you know, hopefully they can continue that trajectory, kind of get things going again in that regard against Cincinnati. So uh, we're going to – one more thing I want to talk about, and this is the story I wrote about for Wednesday's Tulsa World Special Teams, and it's the first question I asked Brent Venables today, just the impact of special teams, uh, the return game especially. You know, the first three minutes of each game, all three games, special teams have made a huge impact. We look at the first game, it was Gavin Freeman's 82-yard punt return for a score. We look at the second game, it was Peyton Bowen's uh, block punt that led to a 40-yard uh, short touchdown drive. And look at the third game. It was the kickoff return, the opening kickoff return, where Jello Farouk ran it back 62 yards. Unfortunately, fumbled at the end. Uh, but oh, it, it, we shifted field position, and Oklahoma was able to get the back via interse- ball back via interception. But special teams has, has been huge for the Sooners in the first three games, in the first three minutes of the first three games. Uh, Jay Nunez has been huge. And we saw this last year with all the fake punts, fake field goals, all the specialty net gadget plays and stuff. Uh, you know, special teams have been really, really big for the Sooners. All we have to do is look back at uh, Lincoln Riley's last season, the first three games of Lincoln Riley's last season. They only returned one kick in the first three games for 31 yards. They only returned five punts in the first three games, averaged four yards of punt return. If you just compare the first three games to Lincoln's last year and the first three games of this year, there's a vast difference about how much special teams, especially in the return game, can make a difference in a game. And I think that's just being aggressive. And I, you know, I've always thought this that you know if special teams a punt return can get you 10 more yards that's an extra first down for your offense that's how big that is and it really seems like uh coach venables really subscribes to that thought where we're going to be aggressive he thinks with our special teams we have playmakers that can make plays and i think that's what we're seeing yeah eric it's it's funny to kind of think about and watch because so far this season you talked about right they got weird last year on special teams everybody remembers the 
Zach Schmidt fake field goal uh, touchdown against Iowa State last year. Uh, but this year, it seems like that they're really just putting a greater emphasis on doing the most basic tenets of special teams correctly. You know, Gavin Freeman had the touchdown. They weren't maybe putting as much effort into returning punts last year as they could have. Uh, not now, as you pointed out, there was probably better effort there than in the Lincoln Riley era, but maybe could have done a little bit more there last year. You know, Peyton Bowen's effort to block the punt against SMU. That's another thing where, uh, you know, you should be trying to block every punt. Uh, it's just stuff that's basic special teams that it seems like they're they're uh, putting more effort into. Um, I do kind of wonder and kind of hope that Jay Nunez has something else in the back of Triggs just uh, for our amusement at some point this season. I think about having watched the uh, Patriots and Dolphins game the other night where the Patriots brought a rusher off the side of the formation. They got a running start and he blocked the field goal. Um, I think it would be really fun to see someone bring that into the college game. That moment in the NFL was something that let alone had not really been seen in the NFL before. So if that makes it to the college game too, um, you know, Chris Collinsworth was talking about everybody's going to be doing this now. Well, maybe Jay Nunez is one of the first college special teams coaches to, to trot that out and they can run somebody off the side and block a punt. Who knows? Uh, but we'll see what else he has in the bag of tricks. But definitely, it just seems like this year, there's just a greater emphasis on doing the most basic aspects of this well, often, always the right way. Can you imagine having your edge blocker seeing one of Oklahoma's speedy receivers or your fastest guy at Oklahoma coming at full speed from the edge trying to block a kick? I mean, that's – yeah, I, I thought – I saw that play. I mean, it looked like arena football, guy coming full uh, full speed from the side. Yeah, I mean, that that was innovative. I really love that. And I, I really think it – you know, I think it – when you came from the side too, you, you, I think they missed a kick on the next time too because you see that at the corner of your eye, guy coming in. So, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. Special teams, I think that's so important to Oklahoma – and, uh, you know, I also asked uh, Coach Venables about, you know, they always talk about competitive depth. Uh, you know, guys want to get on the field. He said Robert Spears Jennings had uh, a ton of special teams plays. And while he's not a starter, he makes his impact in special teams. So that's how you get on the field. That's how you get on the bus for road games, too. So, you know, you want to make plays. That's what they're doing. So, all right. Well, Mason, I guess uh, we're getting ready to go to Cincinnati. Uh, I've never been to Cincinnati. Looking forward to it. Anxious to go. So, um, well, well, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, any last thoughts at all? No, I haven't been to Cincinnati either. I'm looking forward to this trip. Uh, it's unfortunate that my plane's not going to get until seven o'clock that night. So <laughs> maybe I won't be able to enjoy it that much. But uh, as we said, you know, this is going to be a really good test for Oklahoma and we'll be there to chron chronicle it all and break it down for the fans watching from home. All right. Well, keep up with this uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google, Apple, and as always, TulsaWorld.com for all your Oklahoma football coverage.